0: This is Creepy and Geeky. Welcome. I'm your host, Robert, and my guest today is Josh Rubin. You probably recognize him as the writer, director, and star of Scare Me, and the director of Werewolves Within, and for his most recent acting roles in Blood Relatives, which he also produced, and in A Wounded Fawn, both of which are now on Shudder. Welcome to the show, Josh.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm so glad to have you on. saw your tweet about doing uh, podcasts in December, and I... Snapped snapped a response off as quick as possible, and uh <laughs> was I very to glad say, to...
1: I, I, yeah, go I mean, ahead, I'm glad we we can make it happen im I, I'm thrilled where you know a lot of these I feel bad for some folks I think they're somehow eagerly morbidly excited to see my face, and it's uh slightly more exhausting to be on visually, so I so appreciate the <laughs> appreciate your camo is off to begin with because it's one thing to do like five hour long or even 30 to 40 some odd minute uh, interviews a day, but to also show your face. It's like, I can't imagine what oh, yeah. it's like to do, you know, uh, press for bullet train or something. It must just be like oh, an endurance man.
0: test. Yeah, no, I've, 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 I've seen the, 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 the quote unquote big stars who talk about those press junkets and it just seems so exhausting. Oh, it's just, I can't and imagine. It's just, and they're so impersonal too. Um, you just get the same lame questions from everybody and it's just like, Ugh, too much. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't use video for my podcast. So it's all, it's all audio. So largely if, uh, unless the, unless the other person has their camera on, mine's always turned off as well. So <laughs> bless you. <laughs> uh, I, I'm glad to, I'm glad to accommodate you on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pleasure to be so face-less with you. <laughs> right, right.
0: Uh, the faceless uh interview uh that works amen um so um so we'll just start right into it um i'm my podcast really isn't about interviewing people so i'm a little uh less good at this uh, than others might be i usually talk
1: to short
0: i usually my, talk to my podcast is about talking to guests about uh, what I do is uh, we we watch two movies that are usually related in some way, and uh, we just have a fun, you know, informal conversation about it. So kind of works for this, too, because we're mostly talking about uh, a Wounded Fawn and uh, Blood Relatives. So
1: that's right. Uh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, but uh, you did get your start in comedy, uh, but it seems like you've uh, since transitioned mostly into horror lately. Uh, was that always the goal?
1: Uh, it wasn't always the goal. Um, I I was a comedy fan before I was a horror fan. Okay. Um, and, uh, uh, or sorry, I was a horror fan before I was a, a, a comedy fan, mainly because of my sister, um, Rachel, who, you know, introduced me to the likes of Freddy's Nightmares and all the Jason movies and such. You know, Freddy was essentially, you know, a cartoon character, in my opinion. So in the 80s, you know, you figure, oh, this guy's got a, a wicked sense of humor. Um, uh, he's just like the roadrunner, but uh, he'll slice your face. Um, <laughs> I, I think you know, all the way through, if you could track my sketch career, when I had the chance to do my own thing, or when I, even when I did my first like my first short film, you know, there was always a darkness to the stuff that I loved um, to my sketch work uh and uh, probably similar to like what jordan peele you know if you were to track his route through comedy you could probably see some hints of a joy in doing darker stuff darker humor genre parody whatever it may be um and that was that was always there for for me but um i think by the time that i sort of was at a crossroads in my career, I realized that, you know, no one was going to spoon feed me the opportunity to make a movie, especially one starring myself. Um, So uh, I knew that if I made it a a horror movie or went back to my, my roots, so to speak, and doing a genre flick, um, that it would theoretically have the best uh, percentage for return because the horror community is so forgiving and welcoming. And so that's right. that's why I was like, you know what, my first film's not going to be a comedy. Probably won't translate as well. Let's let's go the genre route, and the rest is is more or less history.
0: <laughs> well, but speaking of that, both of the movies that you've directed have both been, you know, ostensibly horror comedies. Um, they've had a lot of comedy, you know, elements to both of them. So, and I've always, I, you know, there's lots of you know, uh, uh, history of horror and comedy um you know kind of mining the same um uh, fertile ground and uh so and and they seem to be very linked together very well um uh, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion i'm a big horror comedy fan so you know that's always uh, that's that's my favorite genre of horror so you know it it you know at least with the two movies that you've done so far it seems you know you 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 kind of blended those fairly well so
1: Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so much of it, too, is just... It's a love for, for horror, of course, and a, a kind of endless archive of, you know, ridiculous sort of horror movies just as a horror lover. Um, but it's also casting. I think the successful comedies or rather horror comedies are almost entirely in casting. And you write down to like Tom Atkins or something. It's like, he's playing the terror for real. He's really screaming at the TV and Halloween three, asking it to, to stop. Um, right. uh, you know, Sam Richardson is not, you can't catch him trying to be funny. He just is inherently. And you love him the way that you might love a Tom Hanks character, just as he's not going out of his way to do a funny scream. You know, and that's the kind of thing where I think a great actor, especially a great comedic actor in horror comedies will, you know, they'll understand they'll kind of play the vulnerability for real, but their their comedic gears are firing on all cylinders.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I think I think that you can tell when there's a good actor, somebody like Sam Richardson, who is playing that well, um, playing that comedy and that horror well. Um, and isn't overplaying it uh, because you do see those other, you know, quote unquote horror comedies that really go more into parody uh, w- because the actors are playing it a little too too silly.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's I, I probably wouldn't get caught making a scary movie as much as it was fun to see those um, uh, <laughs> and you know one of the scary movie franchises rather as much as it was fun to see them in high school. But if you can do something like like Tremors or like a Gremlins, or even to do something as dark and kind of wicked as Poltergeist, but given even more of a comedic wink to do something. I mean, if I, if my company had a logo and I have a kind of banner now called Nocturnal Kid, you know, because I was a kid who, you know, stay up so damn late watching this scary shit, my kind of motto or my, my, my slogan would be legitimately funny and genuinely scary um or genuinely funny and legitimately scary because if you can capture both of those the way that like most recently Joseph and Vanessa Winter did so brilliantly with Deadstream their feature mm-hmm. debut and even with their their um VHS 99 vignette um I feel like you're you have you're so set up for success. I mean people still today talk about the likes of Sam Raimi. I mean Evil Dead is is an indelible part oh, of yeah. our genre culture. And I think that's for a good reason. You know, it's, it's, I mean, there's so many things, you know, um, so many factors that play to that degree. But, um, you know, if you can, if you can do it right, you you are just, you're golden because it's, it is hitting all kind of bullet points, all sides of our lizard brain movie loving <laughs> yeah. palette, as I like to say. Yeah.
0: Oh no, I agree fully. I'm a I'm a huge Evil Dead uh, uh, franchise fan. I love all of them. Uh, my favorite, of yeah. course, of, of of that whole series is Army of Darkness, which is the silliest one. Oh, uh, but, so good! You
1: know,
0: yes, yeah, it's it's legit my favorite, and uh, you know, I, I I I will take no uh, umbrage about that. Uh, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> you
1: don't have to, from me, man. I, I wanted. Uh... I think I wanted, I just put this together the other day, you know, it was Chris Cantwell who created Halt and Catch Fire, a big comic book and genre fan, he's an old buddy of mine. And I was just talking about how badly I wanted, um, I can't remember if he was talking about showing his kids Army of Darkness for the first time, maybe he's oldest. And I remember uh, watching Army of Darkness and then seeing, I think around the same time, there was a toy line called Skeleton Warriors. And I remember wanting the action figure Skeleton Warrior so bad because I'd seen Army of Darkness at that, like, you know, whatever it was (laughs) between eight and 10 years old. Um, So, yeah, there there, Raimi goes influencing uh, my, my, I don't know, my desire to play with X kind of toy um, because I was just (laughs) so drawn in by that world. I mean, what's not to love? It's a live action horror cartoon.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, uh, that, you know, this, you know, and me growing up, um, you know, I grew up in the 80s, and we still had a lot of, you know, it wasn't the same uh, TV that you have nowadays with streaming. It's like streaming, you have everything, and it's all new, and it's all, you know, great and everything. You know, we, mm-hmm. during the 80s, I grew up, and it was like reruns of everything. And so it was reruns yeah. from everything from the 30s, 40s, and 50s on. And so, you know, I grew up with a steady diet of three stooges and so mm-hmm. oh my god yeah, i just influence. brought that up
1: the other day yeah, yeah exactly exactly that was the first one and then to see that he was you know sorry i'm, I'm opening a door no go to ahead my my cave um to see or to understand too that like Raimi not only loved universal monsters but was you know a fan of the three stooges as an example and that was you know so much so such an indelible part of like you know campbell's inspiration is is it's just fun to kind of track as someone who, you know, w- wants to get close to the likes of a Raimi or a Flanagan or, you know, in the horror comedy world. Um, oh yeah. You know, anyone who's kind of dancing in that space, Jordan Peele, uh, because, you know, shit, it's like, wow, we, we were all kind of absorbing watching the same kind of stuff. Um, I think my, my, not my concern, but my, I'm very aware of wanting to avoid creating derivative stuff, uh, especially after the likes of like Michael Doherty have done that even better or even, you know, Lee Winnell, so clearly inspired by Jaws and Amblin done it even better. Um, I look right. at something like Krampus and I'm like, man, you know, that'd be great to kind of recreate, but that's, that's he's so set out to, to make something that feels like Gremlins and Poltergeist and Dark Crystal um well what else can i do uh without kind of trying to take my swing at that world because it's it's so something that we hear so often as uh as filmmakers of that certain era is you know another like especially another like caucasian late 30s uh filmmakers <laughs> yeah. going like well i really love jaws and so what i want to and then of course you know i have uh i'm waiting to hear back on a gig that might be sort of adjacent to that but i'm like you know i guess you can't escape um <laughs> you know, what, what what that era was because there was nothing like
0: it no and that's the that's i think the thing that you know we as 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 kids of the 80s um you know and i think i'm i think i've got a decade on you um that uh you know we you know because of that influence the 80s were this weird thing where we had all of that influence of the decades before us and Whereas it feels like nowadays everybody's kind of living in the now, um, at least the generation yeah. that's living now, um, the younger generation, they seem to be more about yeah. like the now and and the future, and that's all great and everything like that. But we have such, um, you know, th- there's so much nostalgia that goes into uh what we see because of how we grew up and because it was so filled with all of that stuff from our past, and so yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to escape that for us in that way. Whereas, you know, so a lot of, you know, a lot of the new generations are like, Oh my God, you guys are, why do you keep making stuff about the eighties and stuff? it's like, because that's when we grew up and that's, you know, it's plays, it's a, it's, it's ingrained into our DNA in a weird way.
1: Um, And it's hard to escape. It was all we had. It was, yeah, yeah, that was the, the era of the film being, being a chapel, the video store, being a church um, and, uh, there was no phone to look at and scroll on while you had Robocop or Poltergeist right. or who framed Roger rabbit or, or any Freddie movie on TV. You just were sucked into that world and that's where yeah. we lived and replayed and such and such. It's, um, that's totally true.
0: Yeah. And, and speaking of Raimi, it's a, it's gone on uh, record, uh, well uh, enough on on your end uh, that you are a big fan of uh, dark man and that you would like to do a remake of dark man uh, have you have you gotten any traction at all on that
1: <laughs> i can say without giving too much away that i've gotten traction on it i don't know how how uh quickly or how um how possible uh right. anything would move in in a in that direction but yeah i it's it's uh i'm I'm kind of piecing together that very specific time in my life and what it what it is and was about dark man i mean it came in in 90 it came out in 1990 just after batman batman was you know just had right. the most uncanny effect on on obviously so many of us but batman 89 for me specifically yeah but i was also you know as I was simultaneously fanning out about Batman, buying all the toys or my, begging my parents for all the action figures and rewatching and rewatching. Um, I was also into, you know, Freddie's nightmares. Uh, I was also mm. into popcorn, you know, characters who had fucked up faces who were hiding yeah. behind disguises. And then comes dark man, which like talk about checking all the boxes. I mean, it's horror Batman it's a horror yeah. hero and we have so few of those and why that ip hasn't been dusted off it might be because of you know Ramy sort of holding it close to the vest it could also be because it was sort of a traumatizing experience for him making that film and dealing with the yeah. studio at the time um but i think that there is such an opportunity to make something that not only kicks ass but's also scary and but also has a wicked sense of humor um and oh, yeah. and and perhaps too, um applies a, a a bit of an homage to the universal monsters, which I think is also inspired by horror and yeah.
0: heart. Yeah. Well, and maybe it's just been waiting for you to come around to uh, get on it.
1: Yeah, hopefully, you know, I think <laughs> whatever the next film, the next film I do is regardless of where it falls in the, the comedy of the horror comedy spectrum, I I am going to push the horror further and the scares yeah. a little more and hopefully that will inspire um you know, the powers that be to at least, you know, toss my hat in the ring again.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um speaking of that, um, um do you uh, do you have uh anything in the works as, you know, director? Um uh coming down the pipe
1: yeah it's so crazy it's like you know after you put out a movie or two and they're critically acclaimed it's like what What i like is that they don't necessarily have to make money um for people to be interested in you it's probably different if you're a scott derrickson or a parker fan there's probably a whole bunch of offers that right. are kind of greenlit ready to go um not so much the case for me uh, across the board and good scripts are hard to find um but i can say that i'm i'm collaborating with michael kennedy right now um okay he wrote freaky yeah. Uh, yeah. one house and I just loved it and we're just really excited about this idea. Definitely a comedy horror, um, nice. but one that I think is gonna be a real star vehicle um, for who we can get in there. Um, and then something a little more on the thriller spectrum there's a science fiction project um by a writer named aaron horowitz who wrote the cleansing hour that i just i'm so crazy about um and so this is just the the wild nature of our business is you know projects could be sort of neck and neck a third yeah. thing can come out of left field and sweep you off your feet and take you away for six months to a year um so i can tell you you know, those are the two things that are sort of tangibly intangible while you know i i anxiously am waiting i went off and uh developed and um i'm about to have published a graphic novel um called darla okay. so like just because i knew that that is a thing i could make as an artist and get out yeah. into to uh into the zeitgeist so i'm excited about that should be out next year
0: okay great that's awesome um who, who's are you the artist on it as well? Or, or you
1: no, no, I, I'm not, not nearly uh, that talented, um, but <laughs> uh, our artist is uh, Brianna Tippett. Um, okay. She's an incredible artist out of, uh, she's, she's now in Nevada, but um, I've actually spotlighted her to Fangoria. Um, we had a feature in the Halloween Ends um, Fango that came out uh, okay. most recently. Yeah. And, uh, I think it was maybe one issue ago. Um, and there's, there's some hints of, of, you know, Darla and the world of it, um, in there, but I just saw her work on Instagram. She was, you know, making a lot of fan art for my stuff and for buddy stuff and, and similar. And I just, I just thought, man, what a style. It's very sort of, um, very sort of Charles Burns, you know, very black hole-esque, but even just in terms of its, its striking nature, it's not, not, um, the super adjacent style but just such an eye and such a vision and um i fell for it thought uh might be great for this this uh tale i wanted to tell
0: that's awesome yeah i'm a, I'm a big comic book fan so i'll definitely keep my eye out for that
1: oh yeah okay. thank you yeah i hope you dig yeah. it
0: yeah yeah all right so let's talk about your uh most recent two releases um that are both now on shutter um uh Let's talk about uh, Blood Relatives, uh, which is by writer, director and st- uh, star uh, Noah Segan. Um, and in that movie, you play uh, the Rinfield like character, uh, Roger sure. Fieldner, uh, which mm-hmm. I thought was a nice play on the name. <laughs> I caught that even before I saw you. Um, they said Fieldner, and I was like, oh, they're just playing Renfield. <laughs> so and then i saw you and i was like oh okay yeah exact
1: (laughs) it sadly took me a minute to put that one together and i'm the producer and i was like oh yeah right that's why
0: (laughs) it's okay you know yeah you got to play the character so that you know yeah that's the most important part of it so uh how did that all come about you know producing and you know getting the role and everything
1: sure um well noah was actually a test audience member for werewolves within for my last film um and i was there was this yeah there was this function on zoom it was a test audience uh uh panel done over zoom because you know we were heavy in COVID time and i i was sort of in this uh you can you can there's i don't know this this like observation a function to zoom where people won't be you know can't tell they're being spied on like an observation room (laughs) and i was you know spying on this observing this panel and noah was a part of it was like holy shit i love that guy in looper um i'm a big fan of his like you know he's he's gonna be that this uh knives out movie and so Uh i followed up with him and said hey i was you know really digging your notes and so thankful for you to participate in this that and the other thing got to talk him he ended up watching scare me um my first film which is a pretty contained almost black box theater type genre flick yes. you know an anthology film that doesn't leave the, the campfire and he was like holy shit that was so interesting and you played festivals and that's so cool um do you think you'd be interested in producing for me you know helping me do what what you did for yourself my scare me moment and i said absolutely um so it wasn't too long after the fact we went to shutter we got financing It's it's a pretty low financial ask um we shot it for next to nothing um and yeah. then we were off to taylor texas and i was the the producer at the monitor offering suggestions visually and kind of whispering in noah's ear
0: that's awesome yeah that's that's very cool i really enjoyed that movie um i i thought you did a great job as fieldner a Rinfield. <laughs> um <laughs>
1: thank you it was so fun to do oh
0: yeah yeah it, it seems like you know that's one of those parts that if you play it uh well it just be, would be fun to do because it's very over the top um mm-hmm. and uh you know it it's it's a nice scenery chewing uh uh part so
1: yeah and i just wanted to shout out michael our wardrobe designer who handmade everything i mean just made me this like most the most somehow stylish straight jacket and pants <laughs> ever i just yeah pretty pretty outrageous only he could do it
0: Oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, it was a it was a great movie. I, I I I really enjoyed um all of it, and you know that's that's very cool that you were able to help him get that going. Um, uh, I would have thought that you know he had had you know other people not only. You know, somebody like ryan johnson to help him like get that going since he's so uh keyed in with him
1: yeah i know well he he's got various projects i believe with ryan um but uh you know this was this was a tiny one had been it'd been a minute since ryan had dabbled in that world um yeah it, it just it just felt right it was a it was a good fit certainly with you know the level of film i would worked on and also just what i had on my plate or rather didn't have on my plate it was really good timing i think i'd I think the timing of it all worked out so that I shot Wounded Fawn in October and wrapped, uh, did a quick gig for Netflix, uh, a, a special called Death to 2021, Right. Um, just a few segments on that, and then jumped right into production on um, Blood Relatives. I, I went right after Thanksgiving. I actually sort of missed the first week of shooting, and both films, like, you know shot and you know processed through post and out debuted at film festivals you know within the year it was really kind of mind-blowing
0: yeah yeah no and then you know they both premiered on shutter within like what a month of each other just a couple of weeks yeah. i think actually
1: actually it was um, both within one week it was november 22nd for blood relatives and then december one yeah um just a few days ago for wounded Fawns. pretty crazy <laughs>
0: um yeah, so did they did they end up playing a lot of the same festivals together as well?
1: Our our overlap was, uh, I believe, Fantastic Fest and Beyond Fest. Uh, so okay. we both got to play those. Uh, Wounded Fawn debuted at Tribeca, and they went everywhere. I mean, it was kind of crazy. Fright Fest yeah. and Sitjust um and Beyond Fest and Fantastic Fest, I, I feel like I'm leaving one or two out. <laughs> um, and uh, we were able to with Blood Relatives, which was super cool, debut at Fantastic Fest, which was sort of a homecoming of sorts for Noah, who had so many films um, premiere there. And so it was it was a real uh, a real splash. Like Ryan and and Karina, his his wife, were there um so many friends so many cast and crew cuz we shot in Taylor Texas it was it was really really rad
0: and uh yeah so that that's cool that it just you know it uh um, you guys had such good overlap with that and and you were able to get these out on shutter back to back like that
1: so, yeah so- yeah completely it was a lot of fun
0: yeah um so let's talk a little bit about uh, a wounded fawn um and uh so how did how did that role come about
1: that was uh, Travis Stevens, uh, co-writer, director, just um, uh, DMing me. <laughs> he wrote me on Twitter, and um, he just asked if I'd be willing to look at this. actually, I'm wondering if I if I have it. It'd be the first time I'd ever gone to my Twitter messages and seen. I don't even know if I can I can search or find his. Uh, <laughs> I'll uh, all, scroll as we're talking to see if I can yeah, find yeah. the very words. Um, but he um, – oh, here it is. Let me see Let me see if he asked me or what he asked me um, specifically. Here it was. Oh, he said, hello, sir. Congratulations on your remarkable film. Maybe he was talking about werewolves. It was such a finely tuned piece. Watched it with awe and admiration the entire time. With the success of your filmmaking, I was curious if you're still looking at material as a performer. We're in pre-production on my new one shooting in New Jersey and thought I'd at least ask. Um, and then uh, I very immediately got back to him and he very immediately and said, yes. And he very immediately started sending pictures of the location and of uh, creature effects and makeup effects and the camera. Kasusha T- uh, um our brilliant um dp uh testing camera is pretty pretty rad so wow that's that's the first time i've uh i've both discovered and read travis is allowed so that's that's a uh a robert clark exclusive
0: (laughs) there we go there you go creepy and geeky exclusive
1: (laughs) yeah that's right
0: (laughs) um no it's awesome yeah i um i think the only other travis stevens movie i've seen is um uh jacob's wife um and i enjoyed that um um i liked a wounded fawn uh, it was it was very interesting especially with the uh, the greek mythology aspect to it uh, that's yeah, what yeah. Uh, fascinated me a lot uh, um i have a um a long long uh, history of e- enjoying uh, uh, mythology and folklore going back mm-hmm. to you know a- a- as an elementary school kid i used to just gobble that stuff up and so, uh, uh, getting to, you know, see that on the screen and, and, and seeing how it affected the character and, and, yeah. and, and everything. And, uh, it, it was just fascinating for me.
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, I, I had really no, um, sort of history, uh, and I even interest in Greek mythology other than in, <laughs> in kindergarten playing Zeus with a uh, cardboard lightning bolt, um, but uh what excited me about this project in particular was was you know playing a villain so to speak an acting challenge that you know i always been um or an acting dream i guess you could say that i've always had but also getting to play the punching bag in a feminist revenge tale (laughs) um was was especially exciting to me i love skewering shitty men. I did it on my first film, although I, I don't know how shitty necessarily I, I go out of my way to, to, to say Fred is but um, that made it all the more kind of exciting for me and, and cathartic just as a, a, a project to do. Um, so to be able to see the final result of that, you know, with the style and the mythology and how people are responding to it. I mean, we were certified fresh, uh, you know, only I think moments ago or just before we hopped on. I just saw your tweet about that. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty, pretty (laughs) rad. I mean, it's just, it's sort of insane um, just how it's, it's taken off considering that this is a, a genre tale rooted or with the spine of Greek mythology. Like who would have thought that, you know, Greek furies, uh as deadites would be uh uh, something people (laughs) would want to see you
0: know right yeah yeah i definitely i i I definitely clocked the uh the evil dead uh undertones uh to this of course uh uh, being a fan of that franchise
1: as travis (laughs) said the other day it's like the guy's name is bruce for god's sake
0: (laughs) yeah true very true (laughs) oh man um so uh (laughs) Uh, I, I do spoilers on my show, uh, so uh, anybody right. who listens to this, uh, please go watch A Wounded Fawn before you uh, listen to anything else about this, because I'm going to talk specifically about the end. Um, that is a very wild, very long uh, ending credit sequence. Um,
1: if you thought that was long, there's another five minutes on the cutting room floor, believe it or not. That was an 11-minute <laughs> oh, sure. cartridge. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so... My question about that, though, is, is that how do you do like I'm assuming that was just completely uncut, like, you know, there was no cutting you just like, how do you continue to do that without busting up laughing?
1: well you know i I typically do bust up laughing. I call myself sometimes the the jimmy Fallon of uh of genre film um and sometimes uh funny film because i I truly do tend to to lose my focus and i I really hate that in my uh in my work ethic because um, i i just it's probably because i I'm such an overthinker and I'm such a uh uh can be such a non a non-pro with, with something like this or the project that's as dark with with um circumstances and context that's is dark and grave and um right. and sort of artful as this it was a lot harder for me to bust up although i i, I think on every shoot i do if i'm on camera i have at least one giggle fit um much of the dismell <laughs> of the entire crew um so uh you know, by that point, Travis just said, let's just try this and go for it. Would you be down? And, you know, we were all just kind of like, fuck yeah, um, absolutely. And um, and we just we just went for it. Uh it wasn't planned. It was it was, you know, was coverage we knew we needed to get. Um, and this is what he decided or what he suggested we should do. And uh and and we did it. And I, I didn't I didn't bust up because I knew the pressure was on, you know, once you hear that film cartridge going, um it is uh it it is super uh the the pressure's on i mean the electricity is kind of in the air you know um so uh yeah i I, and the rain and the rock and and the exhaustion of it it just i don't know it just felt kind of electric it felt you know it just took me right back to my theater roots and I, i was just so stoked to do it
0: yeah you're able to keep in the moment rather than yeah feeling yeah completely feeling the, yeah um yeah i think this uh rivals uh 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 only pearl for the uh most uncomfortable uh uncomfortably long in <laughs> <end> credit sequence
1: <laughs> that's, right. that's right it was fun to see pearl uh and kind of know that we're like oh i think ours came out first oh sorry ty <laughs> but you know people, people will definitely at least people are like you know going uh Hey, there's another film that that rivals Pearl, and that's pretty cool. Or, or Wounded Fawns end credits that it, it rivals Pearl. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty rad. That's right. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, I, I I will definitely say that it it rivals it for being uncomfortably long.
1: <laughs> that's right. It it puts him in the cool club. I'll say he he he's <laughs> welcome in. Ty did it. He can come in.
0: Yeah, and so this movie was uh, shot on sixteen millimeter instead of digital, right? That's right that's right yeah, yeah. so yeah i had heard about that only recently um so i guess yeah that would put the pressure on cuz you know with digital you can kind of you know take as many takes as needed until you mm-hmm. get it and then you know I, I mean obviously constrained by time but uh you know mm-hmm. with film you have a finite amount of film to use so there's a
1: that's right that's right
0: definitely a lot more a uh, a constraint to uh, a restraint to to have there
1: That's right. It brought you back to the kind of soap opera style shooting. It was block dress tape. You know, we'd rehearse. You only have so many rehearsals and you only have so much film. So, you know, once you hear that, hear that reel going, like you have to go right on action or you have to pretty much roll right on action.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot there's not a lot these days that's actually being done on film. So it's uh, it's interesting to, to get, get, to have that experience now. I, I would and imagine nice that, to know especially as actors. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely absolutely. Because it really it really lights the fire into the actors' asses. You really gotta learn your lines. You gotta be on your shit, um, because you only get so much so many chances and there's only so many cartridges budgeted so to speak every day.
0: Um rehearsal becomes a bigger thing, I m- I imagine, with that oh, than yeah. you know, the typical uh shoot would.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're yeah. always rehearsal and then you dive right in. <laughs>
0: um uh if you if you wouldn't mind uh would you would you mind some questions about werewolves within
1: no not at all
0: okay that is actually my personal favorite of your work so far um i i i love that movie it is it is so fun and so good i love all the actors in it uh the the pacing's real well real well done uh it's just it's just a fun overall movie
1: Yeah, it was just so much fun to do. Uh, I knew when I cracked open Mishnah Wolf's script that it would be a dream gig. It's like, wow, it's a little bit Clue and a little bit The Thing. And then people started making comparisons to Tremors. And I was like, fuck you, I'll take it. Like, absolutely. Quirky (laughs) quirky small-towners going up against this extraordinary circumstance and and, uh, and, and yeah, the devolvement of humanity in a snowstorm, this is my shit. It only felt all the more self-actualized when I was able to convince the production team to shoot in the Hudson Valley where I grew up. And where I would fantasize, you know, werewolf sightings uh, or werewolf <laughs> fights even in, my, uh, in the woods in my backyard. So it was just, it was such a, such a good time. Little did we know that the COVID cloud is about to hit us. I mean we wrapped on March 9th and we're in lockdown on the 13th. It was pretty insane.
0: Oh wow. So you got it done yeah. just in time before just oh, in wow. time. We
1: were so lucky. We avoided any shutdown. You know, I have a couple buddies who were shooting movies across overseas even and had to just like put everything down, just leave. It was, it was terrible.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's definitely good timing on, on your part. Wow. That's that's amazing um yeah it was uh, um one of two two big uh quote-unquote big werewolf movies that came out uh that year with that and uh wolf of snow hollow um yeah and uh uh i i like wolf of snow hollow i like it a lot but i i love werewolves with them it's it's for me the much better uh movie um and uh uh I, i i put it up there uh in the pantheon of werewolf movies uh that uh i i really dig now to be fair i really love cursed so take that as you may <laughs>
1: oh, love cursed, come on Wes craven doing a werewolf uh, are you kidding i don't know and there's really good effects in it
0: oh there's great effects i mean yes it's a muddled mess but that's not his fault you know
1: yeah it's so true. that's right and
0: i would that's love right. to see the that craven cut that's you know rumored to be out there but
1: i know isn't it wild that craven was still having issues with like you know not getting his directors cut after all the success of nightmare after everything even like people under the stairs i mean after you know oh gosh on and on and on
0: it's you know like i know craven you know had his ups and downs you know movie wise some did well some didn't do well and everything like that but his artistry was undeniable so oh, it's, yeah, it's 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 yeah. it's crazy that when you when you think about that, like I I mean cursed was made after Scream one and two. Yeah, that's made. right. And so that's right. Um and well, I think three also. Yeah. So after the first three Scream movies, he made cursed. And like how how did they he not have just Full on carte blanche on that, and so I know
1: I have no idea. D- different yeah. era, you know. You feel you imagine the studio folks are just kind of all the more incentivized to be pro artists because we're seeing well, the fruits of that labor these days. Yeah. um Well, you know, and I mean, we with know everything everywhere all at once. You know, you see
0: that as an yeah. it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, first Unfortunately, yeah. has you know, that was was under the Weinstein's, and so that's I mean, largely why it was it was. You know, as messed up as it was, but yeah, yeah, but that's right. But, but you know, I'm glad you got to make werewolves within, and it sounds like you got to make it as 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 you wanted it to be.
1: I truly did. I mean, you know, there were some cooks in the kitchen, but it was everybody had great ideas, and I was a really interesting learning experience for me. Um, because I was, I'd find myself resistant um, when you know ideas on the page. Would be bad, you know. And then I was like, "Wait a minute, you know, if I tweak it a little bit, or if I go part of the way, or I take some of that note, it does make the movie better." That's an invaluable lesson. You're never hmm. done. A movie is right. never done. I mean, I could I could look at any of the four projects I have, maybe with the exception of Wounded Fawn. I mean, I've got you know my opinions; they're they're so minute, but that's not my right. film. You know, I could noodle with Blood Relatives and with Scare Me and with Where Was it Within. I could, I could noodle in the edit on the color, or on the sound yeah. design, or you know, you could always change the cut. You could do right down to the the micro frame, um, and and it would be almost there. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it that that's just that's the nature of what it is. So every idea, to a degree, is great by that by that philosophy.
0: Yeah. No, I I like that. I like you know, and film is you know they they talk about the director it's always the director who gets like the limelight for everything yes of course you know he's the he's the guiding light of it all and and, and everything yeah. but film has always been a a collaborative medium and um i yeah. like that that you know the way you said that is just that you know other people brought ideas to you and you you could tweak them and make them work in that in that way that you know would would satisfy everybody and uh you know, you, you get a much stronger pro- product that way. So.
1: I feel like this, is this is a, a subject I'm so fascinated with, especially, you know, how my directing heroes like to work. I hear people like Lee Winnell, folks like him or Spielberg or Kusama or whoever it is, or Jordan Peele. The through line seems to be, um, whether through buddies who've worked with them or crew members who've worked with them or just the rumor mill is it's all best idea wins. Um, and uh, uh, where directors fail is when they go in or where they're really going to fuck themselves is when they're going to walk into a situation and where they're going to shut out everyone who is there really to try and make this project the best thing it can be not every idea is going to work not every idea is to fly. but to be completely closed off and to create this kind of you know genius auteur narrative of yourself is very very dangerous um especially with with this form of art piece with with an audience's medium you're working with an audience every day you're working with a summer camp of an audience every day why not take your you know um take your your cast your crew's ideas they're all going to help make it better i mean especially your cast you have to be able you have to give your your cast the freedom even if you're doing shakespeare or Chekhov or something you have to give them the freedom and the grace to let their own personality shine through put their own sort of stank on maybe not the dialogue if you're working with you know the old literature um but certainly with my stuff you absolutely can play with prose
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, the actors, they're bringing, you know, a a level of uh, backstory to their own characters that they create. You know, not every actor is doing that, but, you know, a lot of actors do, you know, to help, you know, inform their performances. And so, you know, they're the ones helping to create that character, that version of that character that not any other actor will have and to play it that way. And so to bring, you know, to have that. Ah, uh, collaboration uh, is invaluable um and i think especially the actors,
1: yeah absolutely oh no no no
0: oh i was just going to say especially with now with digital um filmmaking um you know with 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 not having to do it solely on film now you have a little bit more room to have that um not improvisation but that uh, that collaboration that 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 uh, ability yeah. to um experiment and see what what yeah. sticks maybe the actor does have a good idea maybe maybe the grip has a good idea you know something that you know somebody can bring to the table that you know somebody right there in in the in the moment isn't thinking of so
1: that's exactly right and and to the point of an actor sort of uh, arriving and bring their character to it natural also inform the tone of the movie quite frankly oh yeah um you're gonna get a different type of movie casting you know wyatt russell who's not a comedian who's a great actor um or, or jack yeah. quaid or whatever matt mcgory or glenn powell to come in and play you know rager finn wheeler um just as you'll have a completely different performance from a a Sam Richardson, a Jonathan Majors, um, or, you know, name anyone else. Um, So Sam comes in and he's got, you know, whatever, he's got the look, he's got the vulnerability, but what he's bringing is a a level of humor and a Tom Hanks-esque charm that was unexpected that, that some of those other actors probably couldn't have or where, you know, I, I, you you have to as a filmmaker be kind of open-minded to you know any myriad of casts you have to be able to play the jazz and allow the jazz of it all to like play out and go oh shit if this is going to be the energy of it then let's add this sequence or let's let's go off on this this improv it's a living breathing thing and your actors yeah. will inform the tone doesn't matter what you know what kind of film um, you set out to make your your actors are are uh, an indelible part of the dna of it Yeah.
0: And I think that goes into, you know, the casting as well. You know, when you're casting um, that, that any kind, any kind of movie and such that you're going to be, you know, that's going to actually change sometimes the, the way that your movie might inherently be as well. You know, you, you cast somebody like Sam Richardson in this and then you're like, okay, well I can add some more humor into this that I maybe wasn't, you know, originally thinking of. And uh, and and that vulnerability that he has as well so
1: yeah i i, I totally uh i completely agree i i uh I, that, that's exactly bang on
0: uh, do you have anything else uh uh that you're upcoming uh starring in as well
1: nothing gosh do i understand this? <laughs> i can't even think got <laughs> many, many a thing going on I'm like um I did do something that I can't, uh, it was actually really interesting. I can't say what it was. Um, No one will be able to see it, but what what was wild was a awesome director asked this group, this ensemble, uh, to come together to do, I've never done this before, it's going to do this on bigger budget movies, to essentially do a, a, um, a, a, and acting out of the film like a lot uh, 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 like a, a, live a script walking tape well kind of like um we did the table read but then it was putting the movie on its feet with scripts in hand and oh. so i i you know a casting director buddy just out of the blue was like hey would you be interested in doing this and i was like oh it sounds like a table read just like oh no it's a week, it's a week-long commitment and it's for this big studio movie um, and it was a handful of, of actors. Some of some of them are buddies that you know. I got to go out and kind of basically just do theater for a week. You know, on this mm-hmm. uh, this rad stage um, in in South LA, and that was so fun because you know, even though that's uh, that's something that won't see the light of day, it was really just a process for the director and the producers to kind of wrap their head around what will ultimately be shot on. I believe the volume. Um, which is, you know, oh, essentially, uh, okay. yeah, this, this world creating technology, technol technological, yeah. um, uh, insane stage, um, yeah, to be what they use to... for the
0: Mandalorian.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was the same, that same, uh, wasn't the same stage, but they, they graduated to it after we were kind of on a more of an industrial space. Um, oh, okay. gotcha. but to be able to go as an actor and archive what, you know, how this director works and how this director um adjust actors. Um that was really, really rad. So while that's that that's a project that, you know, I got to do just, you know, with an ensemble that felt quite like theater and that won't see the light of day. Um, that was the most recent thing I did. It was like such an awesome um experience. And otherwise, no, I mean I'm I'm auditioning for stuff and very, very down to, you know, perform if if the, the gig is right. Uh but um, focusing right now mostly on on filmmaking and you know, trying to get my graphic novel out next year, just because that's a space I've been excited to get into. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to, I, I want to do it all, so long as folks can't pin me down. You know? <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a uh, sounds like you got a lot of uh, nice little irons in the fire, and uh, uh, work wise, and uh, that sounds like a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's an awesome circus life I've signed myself up for.
0: uh i mean you know it sounds like you're having fun at least so you know i mean that's all that's all that you can uh hope for is uh uh, having some fun while you work
1: yeah i think so i think so
0: (laughs) well i don't have any other questions uh for you uh right now so um as and as much as i'd like to just yak your ear off all night i'm sure you've got uh, uh other things to do so (laughs)
1: <laughs> only one more today today is probably my biggest one i think today was five. Um, oh wow so thank you for thank you for making it uh a, a, a good one of the tail end of my day before i crack open a beer in between uh <laughs> answering questions on the next one <laughs> well I, i'm
0: I'm, gl- I'm glad you enjoyed it i enjoyed uh having the chance to talk to you and uh um hopefully i can get you back on again in the future
1: absolutely man It's such a pleasure chatting with you robert
0: all right thank you josh yeah, thank you, man. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or at creepyandgeeky.com. You can follow the podcast on social media at creepyandgeeky on both Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to follow me, I'm GeekThulu on Twitter and geek.thulu on Instagram. You can support the podcast by ordering teas and more from our tea Public page. All of the links are in the show notes. Finally, don't
1: forget, stay creepy.